The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. So nice to have you back with us one more time on this Monday edition of Afternoons with Mike here on The Shepherd. With me in the studio, my good buddy, Andy Searles, back again. Mike, I'm so thrilled to be here today. We are just a week away from Christmas. Everything's exciting. Everything's fun. And we get to be together and have a conversation. One week from today. One. Can you believe that? I mean, it's really hard for me you to You know get what I'm doing around. this afternoon? No. Shopping? Click, click, click. Oh. That's uh, Christmas shopping. Yeah. Christmas shopping. That's what we do now. Yeah. Thank God for Amazon. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything you want, Mike, as I'm oh, clicking through? Yeah, what do you well, need? Well, we can talk about that after the recording, but yeah, I do have a few unfinished things on my list. That'd no, I was great. thinking a gift from me to you. Oh, what, oh. what, what would you like? Oh, what do you need? Oh, okay. Well, a new car. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Said in the same kind of voice that they would do on the game shows right there. I will get you a little diecast <laughs> Hot Wheels two ninety nine and wish you a very Merry Christmas. I love it, Andy. I really do. Uh, this is the fun time of year. We talked recently in our church service. I had an opportunity to share on giving. Mm-hmm. And I was talking about the season of giving that this is. I mean, that you know, we go all year long. People who are normally maybe, I'm going to just go ahead and say they might be on the selfish mm-hmm. side and maybe all things pointing to them tend to, in this time of the year, turn and look the other way. And they actually start talking about giving. And mm-hmm. there's this sense that it's in the air. And obviously we've got all the ads. and mm-hmm. Well, there is, and it, ma- it makes sense because the Christmas story at its core is about a very generous God, right? Who is generous to us in sending Jesus to us. And generosity to each other is one of the reverberations of that. I agree. You know, we, my mom and dad taught me early on that I understood that we gave gifts Mm -hmm. because of the gift. Mm -hmm. And I I wish more people had that kind of a foundation, Mm -hmm. but I don't think a lot of people do today. I think they they just see this as one big commercialized uh, holiday event, and it's a great opportunity for all the, the chain stores to make a ton of money, and that's what you hear about in the news. But it is really a celebration of the greatest gift ever given. It is, and so often we miss this. On Friday night, it was my daughter's 20th birthday, and we went to dinner at... The Cheesecake Factory. Oh, I love that place. Love, beautiful place. Yeah. Now, the Cheesecake Factory is known for two things, right? Big plates, right? And a menu the size of a phone book, right? <laughs> That's right. And so we're sitting there, and we are having a lovely time eating some great food, and they're playing Christmas music, which I love, yeah. right? Yeah. But as I was listening to the Christian music, as we were talking and eating, I heard a song come on from the 80s called Do They Know It's Christmas Time? which was written by a guy called Bob Geldof. And it was all about raising awareness for famine and hunger in Ethiopia. Now, he's the guy that did the uh, big, if I remember, he did the Farmer's Aid or something like that. Yeah, I forget what it was called. Did lots of aid type projects and used his gifts to kind of raise money. But it struck me that juxtaposition that here we were in a place of abundance, right? Right. Um, remembering this kind of need of brokenness. Yeah. And I think so often if we become selfish at the holidays and miss the needs of the moment that come through our generosity, yeah. then we're kind of missing the point because yeah. the story of Christmas is a generous God who gives freely to us in his son, Jesus, and who invites us to reflect him and live a life of generosity. That's the thing that this country, I know, celebrated for many, many decades and generations. And it really, this last couple of years, it's been heartbreaking to see so many people I mean, a number of years ago, it's been longer than a couple, a a number of years ago, holiday 
happy holiday was mm-hmm. the greeting suddenly. And, you know, it was not politically correct mm-hmm. to say Merry Christmas. Mm-hmm. What a sad thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I got nothing to add to that. But, <laughs> but, but yes, if this season isn't about Jesus, then we are um, missing out on so much. Yeah. Uh, yesterday at, at church, you know, we've been talking through the Advent themes of uh, peace and hope, and we were talking about joy. You probably were at your mm. church. Many other churches were as well. And we were talking about the difference between happiness and joy. Oh, I like right? that. Yeah. And there's lots of things that we do at Christmas that can create happiness right? It's good to uh, give gifts. It's good to go to the parties. It's good to hear the music. But there's all the difference in the world between happiness and joy. And my concern is that when we make Christmas just a secular holiday, we're settling for happiness and missing out on joy. I agree. You know, I don't know if you use this phrase with this, but I heard this years ago. Happiness comes from happenings, but the joy comes from the Lord. I haven't heard that before, but we spoke about a similar thing Mm -hmm. yesterday. We were looking at the story of Zachariah and how he and Elizabeth were righteous people. They did the right thing at the right time in the right way, right? They were trying to accomplish all they could, but despite all they accomplished, right? It brought them some happiness, but they they were missing out on something that they couldn't get on their own, a child. Right. And joy always comes from an external source. Yeah, that's right. Well, it's a beautiful thing. The truth about this is that as they encountered, I mean, that was apart from them, the joy of the Lord. Obviously, it's external to us. It's nothing that we're doing. It's nothing that we could do to bring that joy into our lives. It was done for us and given to us mm-hmm. from another, from the Son of God. But, uh, you know, th- along with that, we have to see that while in our life, and, and this is one of the things that I wanted to talk with you, I always love having you on because you're a pastor that really cares and you're in touch with not only your congregation, we've talked about this many times, your involvement in the community is mm-hmm. a real big part of you. But there are so many people hurting this time of year. And, you know, when if happiness is all that you're looking for and all that you're wanting, we know that life's circumstances can take happiness away. Things can happen that make you not feel happy. But no one, if you're a believer, nothing or no one can take away the joy of the Lord. Yeah, one of the things that we talked about yesterday, happiness is a feeling, right? It's based on circumstances and situations. It comes and goes. Yeah. But really for the Christian, for the one who has been made new by Christ, then joy becomes an attitude, right? Yeah. An attitude in the good times, in the happy times, but it transcends that. And the joy that we can have from our faith in Christ transcends a lot of the struggles and difficult, all the struggles and difficulties that we can experience. Oh, I love it. Now, so what are some of the things that you're doing at uh, church together this season that kind of exemplifies that giving mode. Yeah, I mean, there are several projects as we talk today. We're uh, a long way kind of through the season, but we've had a lot of fun this past Saturday. Um, we were working with our local police department on an event called Heroes and Helpers. I love it. Where the cops actually become the helpers, helping out some heroic kids who've had a tough year and buying them gifts and things like that. Uh, We've been involved in Christian Helps event where they are blessing families. Don't you love that organization? They just do great, great work. And uh, I was there just for a a few minutes, but long enough to see some some bright smiles on some mom and dad's faces as they realized that they were going to be able to gift their kids with some things that perhaps they thought was impossible just a few weeks ago. And what you just talked about, I mean, that whole thing, that brings an energy and I think happiness to the workers who volunteer at those events. I had Tracy Trimblett up here. And uh, Tracy recently, she's obviously the director of employment services at uh, Christian Help. But she was telling that she started off telling on the program how her involvement began as a volunteer. Mm-hmm. She wanted to give something to the community, mm-hmm. was looking for a way that she could use some of her time mm-hmm. just to bless other people. Mm-hmm. And it became more than an avocation. It became a vocation for her. Mm-hmm. 
That's yep. pretty great. It's a familiar story. And I think in some ways that's how it should be, right? Yeah. Our motivation to serve and to give is from a motivation of gratitude rather than doing something to prove something to ourselves. All right. All right. So I'm going to put you on the spot now. All right. We're talking about year in. We're talking about Christmas coming. And we are talking about giving and this spirit of giving. And yet we we both know that people can get stressed out, as we were kind of alluding to earlier. For many people, this is not the happiest time of year. Mm-hmm. It's It can be a sad time. So if people are feeling down, if people are feeling blue, they're not feeling that joy that you're talking about. Maybe mm-hmm. we know it's still there if they're believers. They're not taking advantage of it. So what can people do who are believers, first of all? What can people do to kind of warm things up in their heart and get the spark of that fire burning in their lives? I I think one thing that I would say, Mike, and I remind myself of this often because I need to, and none of us are immune from the difficult situations and circumstances, is just to let people know that they are loved deeply and dearly and unconditionally. And knowing that we are loved for who we are, regardless of the challenges around us, Mm -hmm. helps us to face the challenges that do surround us. Yeah. One of the light bulb moments for me as I've been teaching through this Christmas season is by looking at the role of the shepherds. Okay. And uh, we know the story, right? We've heard it hundreds of times. The shepherds are doing their thing. The angel appeared. Uh, Heaven kind of explodes into earth, leads them to the baby Jesus and, and the whole thing. But one of the things that I probably knew but sat with a little deeper this year Mm. was that those shepherds that the angels appeared to were not just farmer shepherds. They were the shepherds who provided the sheep that were going to be sacrificed as an act of worship, Mm. right? Because before Jesus came, the way to get right with God, to try and get right with God, was by making a sacrifice, by Mm. an atonement. And so selling sheep and cattle became big business, right? And these were those shepherds. And this part of the story that's just beautifully poetic, right? That God would send the the Lamb of God to those who were uh, tending lambs that were going to be sacrificed to God. And that's very nice. But here's the big deal. When the angel showed up to the shepherds, they weren't just announcing the birth of a baby. They were announcing unemployment for the (laughs) shepherds. Because that process of sacrificing things, of doing things to please God was going to be made redundant. Right, right. Because God was sending his lamb who loved us by his grace, who loved us despite us, who loved us, period. Right. And so often we try to control our circumstances. We try to fight through our situations and, and we should, and that's not necessarily bad. But beyond all that stuff, it's worth remembering this Christmas season that one of the things that Jesus' coming did was do away with the works righteousness business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Christmas reminds us that we are loved by God just because we're lovable to him. Right. He chose us and, you know, he gave us that ability. And that is the beautiful thing. I mean, you, you, it's, it's the song, as somebody said, that holy not, angels not gonna, cannot sing. They, you're not going to sing again, are you, Mike? Uh, no, I'm not going to sing okay. again. I'm certainly not a holy angel either. <laughs> so that, you're safe today, Andy, on that. But uh, it, it's, it is such a beautiful thing to get that kind of a picture. And yeah, it is a strike of unemployment, ultimately a doing away, if you will, with the old way of doing things, the old covenant. And here's another thing that was about that covenant, about those ongoing sacrifices by the lambs that were being raised for that. Uh, It was temporary. Anything that happened, it was only good for a little season. Yeah. 
And what Jesus did by becoming, as John the Baptist looked at him and said, behold, here is the Lamb Lamb of of God God. who takes away Mm -hmm. uh, the sins. Right. And so it was a once and done for Jesus. Period. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Never a need anymore mm-hmm. for that. So here's question number two. Got just enough time man, in this segment for this I'm starting uh, to sweat here one. with all these oh, questions. Oh, man, right? I know it, but you're a guy. <laughs> so we know that we are living, Andy, and you see it every day. I do, too. We're living in an increasingly secular world. Mm-hmm. And so the message of, of Jesus, the message of Christmas, as we've already said, to some people it's completely lost, and it's mm-hmm. so sad to hear these stories mm-hmm. of Children who mm-hmm. don't even know the Christmas story. They've never heard it from their mm-hmm. moms and dads. They never have darkened the door of a church. In an increasingly secular world, Andy, how do you point people when you, because you're out there, you're a, a chaplain to the police department in Castleberry. You're with Orlando City, the chaplain of the soccer team. You're out there. In an increasingly secular world, how do you feel we as believers can effectively show the joy in the light of Christ. Well, I think that word you used, show, is the way. It's one thing to tell the story, but it's another to show the story, Mm. right? And so I think this Christmas, the challenge is not just how do we sit sentimentally recalling the story, not how do we kind of fight to get as many people into our churches so they can light candles with us and hear the story. The question is, how can we leave our churches and go into our communities and show the story. Oh, it's beautiful. And so I would encourage anyone who's listening, whether you're driving right now, whether you're at home right now, to challenge yourself in the next week. How can I not just remember the story? Yeah. How can I not just tell the story? Yeah. But how can I show the story to someone who needs not just to hear about Jesus, but to see the work of Jesus in our world today? Mm. My goodness, it's always great to have you here and to talk about things like this. You know, when you talk about showing, I'm reminded of the verse that says, they will know we are Christians Mm -hmm. by our love, Mm -hmm. how we love them. And love is not something that is only for display. Love is given. Mm -hmm. It's given out. I mean, it's felt, it's received. If it's true love, you, you can't hide it. It's going to flow out. Mm-hmm. And that's really the way we are to live. But I, I tell you, Andy, uh, you're really one of those heroes, I think, for us to look at. And all of us, I'm always uh, reminded of just the examples that people like you bring into my life. And it's a blessing to me. So I'm going to say thank you for taking the time. A lot of pastors, I believe, are missing what I know is a real important component in you is getting out, like you said getting out of the church building Mm -hmm. into the community. We serve a God who wants to meet us in the realities of life, right? God loves us more than God loves our facade. Mm -hmm. And so if we have created a pseudo-guide with a uh, limited love, then we're missing the point. We really are. The good news is... The gospel is that whatever we're going through, whatever we're wrestling with, God is with us and he loves us and he cares. He does. So let's become real about who we are so we can meet the reality of the God who loves us. And he does love us and we can know him and we can know his love. Andy Searles from Church Together in Castleberry. He's my guest today. I'll be back with Andy in just a moment. This is the Shepherd Radio Network. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years experience, EC Waters is a top trained comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. Palm Beach Atlantic University Orlando offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. 
That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. Andy Searles is here. Andy is the pastor at Church Together, and uh, it's really wonderful to have a, a delightful guest with us in the studio who's kind of watching. She's got a pair of headphones Yeah, you're not on. talking about me when you no, said delightful no, no, guest, no, no, are no. you? Well, I'm not talking about, uh, well, yeah, you are a delightful <laughs> guest. I can't even joke about that because that would not be true, Andy. You really are. But you've brought your mom with you. Yes, my mother is visiting for the Christmas holiday. She flew in uh, last week, and we are spending some time. We're going to do some fun uh, things, take advantage of some of the Christmas activities around Central oh, Florida. That's awesome. And what a great place to be, and how good of God to give her a week of nice, cool weather, it looks like, this week. Well, I think she bought it over from oh, England, she did. and okay. some of the well, freeze in England that. is yeah. kind of bouncing off our 80 degrees, and we're landing <laughs> about 50 degrees. Right? Oh, my word, I couldn't believe how cold it was this morning when I went out early on, and it's like, you've got to be kidding me, this but is funny awesome. funny, because my mom from England said she couldn't believe how warm it was today. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And all of the people who are up, stuck up north, and they're fighting through yeah. ice or whatever, they're they're wishing they were here too. And I don't blame them. I love. We are blessed. Yeah, we We are are blessed. blessed. Andy, you know, we were talking earlier about just getting out there and doing something. We've had Mark Goldstein's story about his losing his wife recently, Uh, and you played a real important role. And Mark has talked about it and how that you helped Ronnie in a moment of time that I think a lot of people uh, might even be going through right now. I know one family in our church that are facing this very same thing with a, a loved one mm-hmm. that might possibly pass at any time. It's it's very difficult to go through that. It's often said it's terrible to go through it mm-hmm. at Christmas time, but yet many people do, and there are many people who are, are fighting that. And you recently were able to help them uh, I know that when you walk into a room, what's the first, as a pastor, you go to hospitals, you pray with people. What's the first thing that you think of to try to encourage the heart of a person who's fearful about the coming end? Yeah, I, I that's a great question. I, I think for me, um, when I'm walking into a room, as I did with Ronnie, Mike, Mark's wife, and that was the first time that I'd met yeah, her. Yeah. Um, I'm aware of the immense privilege that God gives me to sit with people. And I'm aware that in myself, I have very little to offer. And honestly, she's not looking for any comfort from me. She is looking for comfort from the one that I follow. Yes. And so I find that when I meet a hurting person, the best thing I can do is just sit and listen because it is the ministry of presence, the ministry of simply being there in that moment as a representative of Jesus that is a holy calling. That's what ministers to her. I think if I go and try and have an agenda of what to share or what to say, not only is that quite insensitive, but that messes things up as well. Mm -hmm. You know, I think so many of us miss the mark of, and no pun intended with our good brother Mark, we we miss the mark that God has given us to share with people that it's just what you said. It's not going to be my word. It's not going to be my thought. It's not going to be my presence that helps that person in that moment. It's the fact that we're walking in there as a representative of Jesus and his presence. He's the only one that can change a heart. He's the only one that can touch them that way. Yeah, arguably one of the most influential uh, thinkers in Christian history was the Apostle Paul, who built churches, who took the gospel to new places, who loved people well. And Paul's definition, right, was that it was Christ in him, the hope of glory, right? And that's uh, a, a mystery. There's a lot of mystery there, right? We are not... Um, uh, we are carriers of the message of Christ. Christ dwells in us. Christ uses us. But ultimately, it's him that we want people to see, right. not us. So 
I, I think in those situations, if we can go in, uh, realizing that Jesus is the answer, realizing that we can cause more pain than we want if we go in our own strength, and just listening mm-hmm. and learning to practice the ministry of presence, I think that's where God shows up. The Celtic Christians, uh, you, you know this, and I shared a little bit about this last week, have what they call a thin space. And a thin space is when you're in a situation or a circumstance where it seems that there is very little difference between us on earth and God in heaven. Mm. And I think that day when I went to see Ronnie, it felt like a thin space. That's well said. And honestly, it was. Because uh, she didn't have, in the grand scheme of her life, many breaths left. There wasn't long before she was taking her last breath here on earth and her first breath in heaven. So heaven was, was close. And in that yeah. thin space, as we get closer to God, the closer we get to God, the more holy those moments become. And we just need to, to kind of sit quietly, listen to what God yeah. is doing, to love well, yeah. and try to invite Jesus to come and, and sit in that space. Uh, boy. A couple of years ago, I was at the NRB, the National Religious Broadcasters. I had the opportunity to meet Tony Evans for the yeah, first time. Yeah. And Tony had just lost Lois, his mm. wife, about a mm. year earlier. And in fact, she had passed away not long after, I think, not long after the NRB, that particular, or right before that, that year's NRB too. But I heard Jonathan talk about the that week where you're talking about that mm-hmm. space yeah. being the so thin, thin space. the yeah. thin space. He said that they all observed their mom as she was at home and hospice was caring for her uh, at that point. But they had all these conversations and Jonathan's word was, it was as if we could see our mom as she was getting glimpses mm. Through that thin space in into the life that is to come, it was such a delightful uh, a thought mm. to think that you know I know people's last words sometimes it can be mm. uh, very much pointing that direction like they're seeing something and that space that you're talking about it's proved out what you were saying was right because Ronnie did not have much time left. Yeah, and 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 honestly, you know, we go into a lot of these situations and really don't know what to to expect. And so we had a conversation, and uh, perhaps there were some parts of it that were encouraging, but there were other parts of it that were quite discouraging. She was saddened to leave those she loved. Mm-hmm. There was some uh, frustration that she sat with there, and, and, and it was tough to enter into that with her. But as we were praying in that moment, and I was really not, quite knowing what to do and what to say. There was a phrase that um, I prayed asking that she would be surprised by heaven because Mm. in that moment she was so discouraged and all she could think about when she thought of her death was just a permanent sleep. She just wanted the pain to be over. And thinking about heaven and the hope of heaven in those painful moments was just too much. And so I prayed, Lord, would you let Ronnie be surprised by heaven? And I left and went about my day yeah. and my life, and it was a special moment, but that was it. It wasn't until after she'd passed that Mark told me the rest of the story, that as she was as she was in the process of, of dying, that she did have this kind of awe and wonder look in her eyes as if she was surprised by heaven. What a wonderful thing. And you're pointing, again, this is why I think it's so helpful to have you here. You speak from a pastoral heart, but you're talking about things that a lot of us may find ourselves going through, whether we're in ministry or not. And what you're talking about right there is that you were depending in that moment when you're talking to someone that really needs some words, you're talking of a dependence on God and you really didn't know what to say, but God gave you a thought. And you shared that, and it turns out to be that thought won the day. 
Yeah, I have lots of thoughts that I should never share with anybody, <laughs> though. Let's right. just clarify <laughs> fight, fight that, yeah. Mike. <laughs> but it's true, though, man. I, I want to go back to what we talked about in the previous segment. Mm -hmm. God meets us in reality. Yeah. And God's promise is that he will be with us always, wherever we are. That's right. Whatever we're going through. There is a stream and a strand of Christianity that is very concerning that says that if we follow God, all our troubles, difficulties, mm. and pain will magically disappear. That is just not true, right? Yep, that's right. Jesus will ultimately change our circumstances. I believe that, but I think that's what heaven's for. Yeah. But the promise in this world is not that God will remove our difficulties and our pain and our struggles, but that he will meet us in there. And I think we cause a lot of frustration and I think we cause a lot of hurt, right? Right. When we throw away some of around some of these glib statements, like God's going to make you better. God's going to take away this. God's going to remove you from this, this, this. Does God want the best yeah. for us? Absolutely. But beyond that, God wants us to meet, God wants to meet us. In that trouble. In that trouble. Yeah, I think that's it. And I think, again, going back to what we were talking about, about the time of year and those that work in counseling, those that are pastors, those that are uh, Christian psychologists, they will all tell you the same thing, that the fourth quarter is very difficult for a lot of people because the holidays come just like in social media where mm. people put their best foot forward in fourth quarter. Mm. It's like the joy and happiness is put forward and everyone has that. And yet the truth is a lot yeah. of people don't have that. Yeah, Mike, when I was pastoring at a uh, more established, older congregation, uh, the number of funerals that we had in January, February mm. uh, was equal to the number of funerals we had the rest of the year because of that reason, right? People want to get through the holidays yeah. sometimes yeah. or just that final season is so hard. And because rightly so, we celebrate Christmas as such a special time. It kind of um, highlights the, the struggle for many. Yeah, it really does. And I know that my heart goes out to people who are fighting loss and, and it's not just loss of life for some. It's uh, the difficulty I heard about a person just recently that were surprised to lose their job right now. Yeah. And you think, what a horrible time to lose your job, yeah. you know, a week before Christmas. But that's exactly what happened. Yeah. And so we know that there are a lot of reasons for the, this kind of unsettling. And it's sad to think about the causes of depression, couples breaking up. This will be for many the first Christmas mm -hmm. since a divorce has happened. Mm -hmm. This will be the first Christmas since a loved one passed, mm -hmm. or like I said, their job being ended. And yet people all have, we all have mm -hmm. the same opportunity to go to God mm -hmm. and ask for that gift mm -hmm. that you were talking about earlier, mm -hmm. the gift of his presence. Mm -hmm. And it sounds so glib. And so I want to say it with such care, but if that's you today, as you listening, I want you to know that you are loved and you don't need to be alone. Mm -hmm. You are loved and you are not alone. That is the message of the gospel. Mm. Regardless of our struggle, regardless of our pain, regardless of our difficulties, there is nothing that you have done that will stop God loving you. Mm -hmm. And at your invitation, because he's a gracious God, right. he will come and sit with you and meet with you. Right. It won't make all your problems go away. It's not a magic pill. Yeah. But knowing God's presence with us. Now, this advice that you're giving is not just advice that's held in reserve for pastors. <laughs> Everyone can help another person through with this. Yet I'm convinced, Andy, that a lot of people don't feel qualified. I put air quotes up when I said that. They don't feel qualified that they are able to give that kind of d advice. And yet, if their eyes are on what you're talking about, that the person that really can bring that kind of comfort is the Lord, then they can share that with equal confidence as with you. A, a qualification is in God. I was talking yesterday at church about Gabriel, the angel, right? Mm -hmm. And we know the story. Zachariah says, 
What are you talking about? How can this be so? Don't you know how old I am? Right? <laughs> That's right. And it's almost like the angel says, stop. Stop thinking of that uh, inadequacy thinking. Right? Mm-hmm. Sure, you're old, but nothing is impossible for God. And he says, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I am bringing this news from heaven. And it's because he is with God, because he shares a presence with God, that he is qualified to speak for God. That's right. Right? And so I would encourage those who are listening that you can be a caregiver because all you're doing is being loved, is loving others in the way that you have been loved by God. Right. right. And if there's a breakdown, uh, candidly in that love relationship between you and God, that breakdown's on you. Right. (laughs) And, and you can make it right in this moment because God is unchanging in his love for you. And as you receive his love, wow, you can extend his love. I pray that for everyone who's heard that, that uh, the air above them would be thin. Thin in the sense that right above that little layer of air, the very joy and the presence of the Lord is waiting for you as well. And I want you to see that today. Andy, it's so great to have you here. Tell us a little bit about what's happening at church together this coming Christmas week. Yeah. So um, again, as you've said, we're a very community-minded church. We we exist uh, to serve our community in the name of Jesus. And so on Christmas Eve, uh, we have had for several years now a Christmas Eve service in the park. Oh, wonderful. Um, and so we meet at um, Lake Concord Park in Castleberry at five o'clock on Christmas Eve. That's right on the intersection of 436 and 1792. There's mm-hmm. a beautiful hidden park with a 30-foot Christmas tree. It's decorated. Bring a chair, bring a blanket, and come and worship Christ, our newborn king. Oh, that sounds like a great thing. All right, you heard it. Andy Searles, Church Together from Castleberry, and that will be this coming Sunday Christmas Eve. It's hard to believe. Christmas Eve on a Sunday this year. How about that? It is. Thank you for being with me, my friend. It's always a joy to see you. It's always great to be with you. Um, Mike, we've we've spoken about some tough stuff today and some hardship. Uh, Would it be okay if maybe we just concluded our time praying for those who are struggling? Absolutely. Take it. Today. Lord, thank you for this season. Thank you that you loved us so much that you sent your son Jesus to be born among us, the king of heaven, making his home among us, his presence felt with us. Lord, for all those who are hurting and struggling and suffering this season, Mm -hmm. I pray that the presence of the living Christ would meet them, would heal them, would love them, Empower us as those who are loved by you to be caregivers and lovers of your people in Jesus' name. Thank you, Andy. Friends, we'll be back in a moment. Stay tuned. This is The Shepherd. Pastors and financial leaders, do you need expert accounting or tax help? Do you have payroll or 1099 questions? Do you need a ministry expert to help you acquire real estate for your next project? If the answer is yes, yes, and yes, visit PetraWorldwide.org. Petra Worldwide has been strengthening ministries to transform humanity since 2007. Visit PetraWorldwide.org or call 855-481-9095. It is my honor to have Donovan Peterkin back with us again. He was here a couple of weeks back. Yes. We did an entirely entire program together. Uh, really excited to have you here today. Today marks a pretty big day for you, right? It does. It does. I'm so excited, and thank you for having me back, Mike. Um, yes, my book is about to be officially released. What? And I think that happens today. Yes, it does. I've never published a book, so I don't know exactly. Is that a 9 a.m. thing? Is it a 6 p.m. thing? I don't know, but people will be able to go to your website, go to Amazon, go to any of these other places, and uh, the book will actually be in full form. 
It will. It will. You'll be able to uh, download it for those that like to uh, do the Kindle thing, or you can get the paperback and a hard copy will be coming up soon. Now, uh, for those that missed your program when you were with me a little while ago, just like you said, a couple of weeks back, what is this book about? You wrote it. It's got an interesting title, The Cyrenian. So tell us about that, the character and the implications of the name. Okay. The Cyrenian uh, is a story that centers around Simon of Cyrene. For those of you that know in the Gospels, uh, he's mentioned in three of them as the gentleman that carried Jesus's cross during the Passion all the way to Calvary when Jesus couldn't carry it anymore. And um, I decided to write this story uh, based on the fact that there's really so little known about him. So he didn't have a story, so we gave him one. That's great that you did that. I'm sure he would say thank you for doing that. Uh, you know, you were on Mark's show, Mark Goldstein's program this past Saturday and talked about it. Yes. And for, I invite all of our listeners to go and uh, search for that. It will be this past Saturday's The Shepherd at Work podcast, and it's available on our website. Or you can go to Spotify or iTunes or Google any of those podcast platforms and download our programs, mine included. Uh, you know, on that program, you were talking about the the difficulty that Jesus had. I think so many of us, as I sat when I was producing that show for you and Mark, uh, the thought hit me that Jesus endured that beating that led up to that the way, the way of the cross walk that yes. he had to do when he was carrying the cross. Yes. He endured a beating that would have, for most people, been the end of their life. Absolutely. And he took that beating. Here's the thought that I hadn't thought of in at least a long while. He took that beating without any rest at all. He'd been up all night. You think about the physical fatigue uh, that he was already in and then being beaten to an inch of his ability to, to continue to live. Absolutely. And then on top of that, they put a load on him Yeah, um, you know, with a cross that was upwards of 300 pounds. So, um, you know, when you, when you put all that together, it's just a miracle and uh, an amazing feat that he, he got as far as he did. You know, it occurs to me that Simon really took a chance because these people were putting this man to death. And, you know, sometimes if, if somebody's already in trouble some people are afraid to step in and start helping them because of uh, they might be considered guilty because of just the nearness and their implication with him. Absolutely. So, you know, you associate with Jesus, in other words, you might be looked at and they might put you on the next one. Absolutely. But he, without any fear, he jumped in there and picked that cross up. He did. He was a man on a mission. And we'll talk about that more yeah, after folks have read the book. But uh, yeah. you'll find out in the book that um, on the outside, of course, he was he was uh, it would appear that he was compelled by the Romans to carry it. But there's more to the story, at least the way that it's written. Um, and you're right. Um, Rome in those days made examples of everyone for everything. Mm -hmm. And uh, to go ahead and be insubordinate or disobedient in any way, if they said stay on the sidewalk and you stepped off the sidewalk, that was enough. Yeah, you that's right. I mean? They weren't they weren't the candy men. No, <laughs> they no. weren't all that nice and well humored. <laughs> you know, you get the feeling that they they didn't take a lot off of anyone. No, and they took great pleasure. They kind of perfected this most horrible way of execution, which was the cross. They did. It's been called the most painful way to die in all of history. It's, it is definitely considered the most excruciating death there is. You know, we talked about uh, this when you were with us, but uh, you're a musician, and so many people who I've known that are musicians, writing a book might not be the first thing that they've actually thought they'd ever do, uh, in addition to all of their, now writing songs, absolutely. What, what was your motivation to get into the literary world? Okay, um, I was always, um, uh, I was always passionate about writing, and it came really uh, as a freshman in college. I had a professor who uh, took me under his wing and put me in his honors uh, writing class. Mm. And after seeing what um, my after an assignment, and he read what I wrote, he said I had an ability that 
was going to carry me far. And he told me I would yeah. write a book one day. So uh, he he nurtured me, taught me quite a bit about expository writing and prose and things of that nature. And I just absolutely fell in love with it. And we also talked about this uh, next aspect on Mark's show, uh, as well as when you were with me a couple of weeks back. This book is a fiction book, but it is based on and informed by true history, true facts that uh, actually happened and are recorded in the Bible. But again, you mentioned that a very small amount of words are given in each of the three Gospels that it's included. So we don't have a huge a plethora of information about Simon. And that's the part that you filled in, hence the fiction part. Yes, that was, that was my goal to make sure that uh, he got a backstory. But at the same time, I wanted to maintain the integrity of not only the Bible, of course, but, but of history and the historical facts of the time. So I wanted to paint a picture where people could actually feel and understand the, the, uh, the, the backdrop. And uh, at the same time, Did you have a sense of relief, Donovan? Because I know a lot of people when they're writing a book, there's almost like a burden that's on them until they get that thing written and they write the last chapter and it's done and they can take a big sigh of relief. Did you have any of that? A lot of that. <laughs> is that right? It uh, it is a process, of course, but it's a it's it's truly taught me what a labor of love really feels like. It's 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 time, a lot of time. It from the from the moment I started writing it, it's been six years. And wow. um yeah. you know, but of course, you know, you're working, you're trying to make a living, you're raising your family, yeah. you're doing all those things in yeah. between and making time when you can. But um once it once I finally did that last read through uh, there, there were tears, actually. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> now, it wasn't the kind of relief of burden so great that you never wanted to be doing this again because you've already got plans for the future. Absolutely. Um, there's There will definitely be a sequel to it. And uh, my greatest aspiration with it is for it to be converted for film and or television. You know, I think about that. I've had a, a, the pleasure of interviewing a lot of playwrights and and screenwriters and even producers and directors, uh, some of which are working now with Angel Studios. Oh my, they're wonderful. And you know, that because of The Chosen, Angel has, it. they've just all of a sudden inherited a spot in the, the, the cinematic world that is quite amazing, it is. quite influential. So you have a almost like a ready-made umbrella, if you will, to kind of try to stand under when you have some of these people like that. I had David Helling on oh. uh, on my show, who was the director, the writer and the director for His Only Son. That was on um, just a couple of months back on, on in the theaters. I saw the trailer for that. It, it's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. And he's a real down-to-earth guy just like you are. And oh he found himself doing something that was noticed, and then it caught on. And I'm praying the same thing for you, my friend. Oh, you may well you. find yourself having that wish come true in your life. Oh, my. I thank you for the prayers and the support on this, Mike. Um, I'm praying for the same thing. I'm praying that uh, we'll have that opportunity. The story is a wonderful story. Now, I'm yeah. not talking about just because I wrote it. I mean, the overall story of, of what the Cyrenian did and what that represents, not only then, but now is a message that I would love to see the world get the chance to to see and hear. It's a beautiful story. And when you think about the courage and conviction that it took for him to do that. And, you know, again, he picked that cross up, not knowing whether he was going to live after that himself. Indeed. Or not. He was taking that chance and he was willing to lay down his life at that moment because he realized the the, the gravitas of the moment. You know, this is so exciting to talk about it because this is one of those uh, things that I think people can get into it and find themselves maybe experiencing what you've experienced, suddenly realizing, I like hearing a story that is biblically and historically correct and accurate, something that really, really happened. And so much of our world today, Donovan, they're wanting this, the fanciful and the complete fiction and you know, worlds that are imaginary. But what you're giving us is something that, yes, there is a fiction aspect to it, but it is something that really happened and and a a real-life person who really made a difference. Indeed. Indeed. I call it the story within the greatest story ever told. 
Oh, that's that's well said. <laughs> that's right. It uh, that's how I view it, and uh, it is truly. I mean, uh, Jesus's story it, it doesn't get any better. How long do you think it'll be, or are you already working on this uh, next book? I'm actually kind of flowcharting it right now. Um, uh, I'm praying that I'll be able to, by this time next year, to have it ready to go. Oh, wow. Well, we'll look forward to hearing about that, my friend. That's great. Now, before we go, I think it would uh, be great to, first of all, give us the website, your website, and then I've got one more question for you. Okay, then. Uh, My website is www.thesirenian.com, and that's uh, C-Y-R-E-N-I-A-N. TheSerenian.com. Now, people who are listening to this for the first time, they are hearing you for the first time, would not know that you're an accomplished pianist and that you actually appear every week at a uh, venue in Orlando. Tell I, us about that real quick. Oh, well, sure. Um, uh, I'm playing currently at a place called The Lonely Dog in Orlando. It's on uh, 4950 International Drive. Uh, it's a family venue, uh, a brand new tourist attraction that is an all immersive experience. And I get to play in the lounge there. Yeah, down there in I drive. I mean, people are, anyone who's driven down there, you have to watch out for all the people on the roads. I mean, it's crazy how busy it is. It is. It and, is, especially now. And ironic, they gave the name of the the venue the Lonely Dog. <laughs> now, I don't think there's too many lonely people down there right now. Right? <laughs> Not right now. <laughs> <laughs> so you'll be out there uh, every Friday night? Is? Every Friday and Saturday uh, from 730 on. So... Um, Come on down and, and have some fun with me. I got to ask this. What's your favorite thing about doing that kind of uh, playing in the public like that? Well, it's an all request format. So I get to play stuff that folks really want to hear and I get them involved. I get them to sing with me, clap with me, you know, and just overall just have a good time. Well, you've got an effervescent smile about you, my friend. Oh, thank you. And uh, you flash that smile and I'm sure people want to get involved and they surely enjoy hearing your wonderful piano playing. Uh, thank you so much, Mike. Come on down. We'll bring your guitar, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll jam together. Ooh, what do you think? Now th- don't don't uh, say that too many times. I may take you up on it. That'd be a blast. <laughs> uh, Donovan Peterkin, my guest for this segment. Donovan, we wish you the best on this launch day of your book, The Cyrenian. Give us that website one more time. Sure. It's dot. The Cyrenian, C-Y-R-E-N-I-A-N.com. And it's also available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Okay, friends, you got to check it out. I've read part of it. It's awesome. I'm not done with it, but it's a great book, well-written. Donovan Peterkin, my guest. Friends, thanks for being with me today on Afternoons with Mike. We'll see you next time right here on The Shepherd. (laughs) 